Welcome to the Every Morning Quarterback. We got a special today, a special guest before we kick off season three on Saturday. We got Rich Samini at Rich Samini on Twitter, uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers our favorite New York Jets. Rich, how are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for taking time out of what's a busy, a busy, busy summer in the NFL. Uh, we know that definitely news does not sleep, so we definitely thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the New York Jets, Rich. That's why we got you here, to talk some of the New York Jets. Uh, I know when I host the normal show, all my co-hosts like the New England Patriots. I don't get to talk Jets, so I'm happy to have you on here today. Well, I'll try to, <laughs> I'll satis- try to satisfy your, uh, your craving for Jets information and, and Jets talk and <laughs> Jets previews and so forth. Uh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so after another great draft which uh, eventually we get tired of saying that, but quality free agent signings that fit the, the new culture and a clear focus by Joe and by, and by Coach Sala. What is the most reasonable next steps, Rich, for this franchise in year two under Coach Sala? I think they, uh, Sala and Douglas said it best themselves. Uh, they said uh, we want to be playing meaningful games in December which has been a foreign concept for this team, as you know, for for quite a few years. But uh, I think that's a reasonably uh, expectation. I mean, if it's like December 7th or 10th and the Jets are playing, you know, to stay alive in a wild card race and, you know, an important game, I I think that's good. I think that's where they should be. So that means you're talking about, you know, probably seven or eight wins on the season. Do I expect them to make a wild card? No. I mean, the AFC is just stacked and the Jets are not even among the best eight or nine or even 10 teams in the AFC. But as you alluded to, it's it's kind of a gradual thing. It's a building process. And I think they're heading in the right direction. I think they're just about one more step away before you can consider them like a serious contender. Hey, I'll definitely take meaningful football past opening weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every year it seems like they start 0 and 4 and it's like everyone's deflated by before we get to Halloween, you know? So and, yeah. you know, selfishly as a journalist, I'm rooting for them to come out of September even 500. That would be great. You know, if they're 2 and 2 after they get through that AFC North gauntlet, that would be that would mean they're still alive. So as a journalist, you you want to see something like that. Yeah, and you and you had just mentioned that you know they they need that one more piece. Uh, they had a great draft. I mean, obviously nobody's played games yet, but on paper it was a great draft. Um, which Jets rookie in their first year can you can you think is going to make the biggest on the field jump for the New York Jets this year? Well, it I don't think it's going to be one of their first rounders. I'm going to say Brees Hall, the running back. Um, just based on, you know, from what I know of him in college, from watching his tape, more importantly, from talking to scouts who know a lot of, more about this than I do. And then also from my own personal observations in minicamp and OTAs, uh, I think he has a real chance to make an impact as a rookie. It's a position where we've seen rookies make impacts. So that's why I think that helps him as well. You know, they do have Michael Carter, who's, who's a solid running back. I just think, you know, as the season goes on, I think Brees – I think Brees' talent is going to be too too much to to keep on the bench for long periods of time. So I think ultimately Brees will take over as the uh, quote-unquote number one running back. 
That would be great to have a nice two-headed monster back there. Last I checked, Rich, Brees had not – he was one of the only two rookies to not sign yet. Is there any news yeah. coming out of that, that, that front about him possibly signing soon? Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, uh, this this is – they have a month before training camp. So, I mean, if he's not signed and it's July 26th, which is the day they report, then it's time to be worried. Uh, I would not be worried on that one. That's always that's always good to hear. Him and Max Max Mitchell, I believe, were the only two. That yeah, and that, Mitchell uh, was the only other one. Yeah. Um, so we had a pretty big breakout star last year, Rich, and there's a lot of mouths to feed now this year. Um, Braxton Berrios, who was one of the key guys that the Jets had to re-sign. Um, he had a nice year. A lot of that was due to in, his increased role and his increased volume due to some other guys being injured. Um, this year, you got Corey Davis back. You got more. You got you're adding in Garrett Wilson. What is the role carved out for Braxton uh, Berrios? I we already know he's got a bit of like a bromance chemistry going on with his uh, quarterback Zach. What do you think his role is that we can look for for Braxton Berrios in this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean the Jets are not paying him seven million dollars a year to just return punts, kickoffs, and make an occasional appearance at wide receiver. He will have a significant role. Uh, you know, they're not going to come out and say it, but I mean, I think he's going to be your prompt, most prominent guy in the slot. I think he will replace Jameson Crowder as the slot receiver. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be the only slot receiver because I think Elijah Moore can play that as well. But the one thing this coaching staff, and, and I've been around them a lot, you know, just publicly and also behind the scenes and talking with them. The one thing they want from their wide receivers is they want them to be in the right spot. They want them to run routes exactly the way it's drawn up, you know, and, and that means down to the foot. If it's one foot to the left, it's not a good route. They want them on their landmarks. And the one thing Berrios does very, very well is that he's a very precise route runner. That's why Zach Wilson has such a good rapport with him. That's why the coaches like him so much. That's why Denzel Mims is down on the depth chart because he's not a good route runner. So you will see a lot of Braxton Berrios again this year. That's really good to hear. Braxton is definitely one of my favorite guys to get out there and actually root for. It was good to see him have a role last year, um, even though it was coming at the expense of us missing out on more and more and more Corey Davis time. Um, hopefully Corey Davis comes back in a big way this year. Yeah, Corey Davis looked good in minicamp. You know, he was there for a lot of the offseason. Um, so that was progress the year before he wasn't. And so uh, he's completely over that injury that he went through last year. Uh, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens to Corey because, look, I mean, it's quite obvious that the future of the wide receiver position is going to be Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I mean, those are the two guys you're building around. Uh, I don't think Corey will be – I don't know. It'll be very interesting. He was having an okay year last year. I mean, he did have a – he had about six drop passes. He's got to improve on that. And uh, I think he was about on a thousand yard pace, you know, when he got injured. So uh, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how they run those three guys on the outside. But Corey will, will be, you know, he'll be on the field a lot. Another guy who we just want to see on the field is uh, a top draft pick previous year, uh, Mikai Becton, uh, who has had some injury concerns. And there's been a lot of obviously back and forth on Twitter between him and some fans and some other local media um, about whether he is in he's in shape or he's trying his hardest to get back onto the field and be in the best possible condition. 
What's the latest on Becton? And with so much uncertainty around what we thought was going to be a franchise tackle, um, what's the latest on his progress coming into camp? And is there a cause for a legitimate concern here? Scott, kind of an amazing stat that I dug up on, on Makai. You know, in two years, he's only played eight complete games for the Jets, eight full games. Uh, he did have a couple of, actually a few games as a rookie where he could not complete the game. So durability is obviously a question. Uh, the man has uh, really, really good talent. Uh, I think everybody's rooting for Makai. I'm rooting for Makai, despite what some, some fans think on Twitter. Even Makai has, has uh, gotten after me on social media a little bit. I have nothing against Makai Beckton. I always want to see talented players fulfill their potential because there's nothing worse in sports than wasted potential. And, you know, he's not, he was not in shape in minicamp. Now, uh, you know, I don't know the exact number, but, you know, he was hovering in the 390s. You know, I even heard some reports that he was over 400 again. Um, if that's the case, he's just got to work his rear end off for the next few weeks and show up on July 26th at a reasonable weight. I think reasonable for him is probably in the 370s. So if he can lose 20 or 30 pounds and get in the 370s, and, you know, his knee is good. You know, the surgically repaired knee, uh, you know, is, is good from what we've been told. So a lot is riding on the next few weeks for Makai Becton because he's got a, you know, he's got a contract that needs to be addressed after this season with his option. So much on the line for him. And that's a big question for the Jets. Yeah. And I mean, we, we need him to be who he is because you don't, you, you just can't miss on a top 10 top. Like a, I think it was number 11, but a top 11 pick, especially if possible franchise left tackle. Um, when they had options this year to possibly get one, right? Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, they had. They came very close to drafting Ekabuquanu. Uh, I mean, he was the next guy on their draft board. They take Sauce Gardner, and I think they were very, very thrilled to have Sauce Gardner. But had Gardner, yeah. Gardner been gone, it might have been Ikuanu at, at four, or possibly even Derek Stingley Jr. But um, so yeah, so they're riding with Makai. I think they'll probably, they might add a veteran tackle at some point over the next few weeks, uh, but for some insurance, but uh, we should also mention that, you know, Makai could end up at right tackle as well. So they, mm -hmm. you know, they're keeping that one close to the vest. I do think there's probably a good chance that he ends up at right tackle. Kind of a constant theme for the New York Jets coming back from last year is can we see guys on the field? And one of those guys is going to be Carl Lawson, the big free agent signing from the previous season. We never got to see him. We were getting raves out of camp that he was just destroying people. And then, of course, he had that really un unfortunate tear. Um, are we going to see a fully healthy Carl Lawson in week one? What's the latest on Carl's recovery? He's doing really well. I saw him at mini camp uh, working off to the side. Um, he, he just seemed very itchy to get in there. Of course, they're not going to let him in there uh, just yet. But he was he was active. I saw him running. Uh, he is a really, really hard worker. Uh, Carl Lawson is just a fanatical in, in the weight, a fanatic in the weight room. So he may show up the first. Don't be alarmed if the first day of training camp they put him on the pup list. That is uh, that wouldn't be alarming. I think it's probably expected. Just remember the goal here is not to have him ready to face the Philadelphia Eagles in the first preseason game. The goal here is to get him ready to face the Ravens in the first regular season game. So they have a plan mapped out. It's going to be like gradually building him up through the preseason. By the time week one comes around, I think he'll be ready to go. And that it's going to help their pass rush. 
immensely just to have him on the edge. He looked really good that last summer. Of course, a lot of that was coming against Becton. So it was a good news, bad news situation. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so I think Makai's struggles were being highlighted there as well. But, uh, yeah, Carl Lawson is a player that the Jets just really, really are happy to get back on the field. So, Rich, let's hear it. What do you got for the 2022 Jets? What is your record that you think they're going to end with? And then can we get a bold take maybe about something that you think is going to happen for a player or maybe for this team uh, for us to look for in this up, upcoming season? Well, I, you know, my most recent prediction was 7-10. and 10. And uh, I guess I'm over the Vegas projection, which is five and a half, which yeah, uh, surprised me a little bit. I know they're getting a lot of action on the over bet. Um, you know, I think Pro Football Focus just came out ranking the rosters um, on our ESPN website, and they had the Jets as the 24th best roster, which I think is a fair. That's uh, pretty fair. Yeah, yeah I think that's <laughs> yeah. fair. You know, um, you know, the AFC is loaded. I mean, uh, I think they were. Jacksonville and Houston were the only teams below them in the AFC. So the Jets do have, I mean, just to temper expectations, you know, it's the, the roster's got a ways to go. And really, we haven't even talked about Zach Wilson yet. To me, he's the key to the whole thing. If he takes a big step in year two, then the team will take a big step. But uh, so I picked seven and 10. Uh, as for a bold prediction, jeez, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say they're going to make the playoffs. That would be a pretty bold prediction. But um, I just think that uh, I think you're going to see I think you're going to see a changing of the guard at wide receiver. I think you're going to see guys like uh, Elijah Moore and uh, Garrett Wilson and, and Barry Ellis really jump up and then kind of leave Corey Davis in a state of limbo a little bit, like with some questions about his future. So I, I think they're going to pass him. And I like and like I said earlier, I think Brees Hall is is going to be the guy. And I, I really, you know, heads up to fantasy owners, I think, and I have nothing against Michael Carter. I think he's a terrific young player and I think it's going to be a dynamic one, two punch. But I, I think from talking to people inside the organization, they're just tickled about Brees Hall. So that'll be my bold prediction that Brees Hall goes out and has a really, really good rookie year. Boy, I would love to love to see that happen. Just the more guys that we can hit on in those first couple of rounds of the NFL draft are going to be key. Uh, especially more guys that can help Zach, more guys that can help Zach grow would be awesome. Seven yeah, and 10, man. I'll take it. I'll, yeah, I'll, I will take even, seven and 10. Yeah. Seven and 10 would be a nice step for them. I mean, it's obviously got, you got a ways to go there, but I, I think this team is really built for, for 23, for 2023 because Zach Wilson, you know, in his third year and some of these draft picks will be more mature then. And uh, it's still a very young team. I mean, if you look at their offense, you know, this, yeah. Zach, Moore, Wilson, uh, the two running backs, all the, you know, all their top skill players are all the rookies or, or second year players. So there's going to be a period early in the year where they're going to go through some growing pains. And, um, you know, I think by the second midpoint of the year, they'll be starting to gel together better. But seven and 10 seems fair to me. I think anything short of that would raise some red flags if I were a Jet fan. But uh, so we'll go with that. Love it. Rich, we always end our show with a little two-minute drill. So I'll just be throwing a bunch of random uh, questions at you. We're going to try to get them in all in under two minutes. Uh, they're all Jets kind of re kind of related. Um, looking for just quick, off-the-top-of-your-head answers. Oh, okay. Sounds fun. Here we go. So we're going to start the clock, two minutes. And first question, Rich, did you grow up a New York Jets fan? 
I was on Long Island, yes, as a, as a little kid. So as a New York Jets fan, who was your favorite Jet growing up? Joe Namath, you know, Joe Namath. <laughs> I never saw him play. I mean, I'm not that old, believe it or not. But uh, every, everybody liked Joe Namath. Speaking of favorites, uh, you are a proud Syracuse uh, graduate. Who's your favorite orange athlete of all time? Uh, you know, I would, I, I'm a little partial to Pearl, the late Pearl Washington, uh, who just wow. transformed the yeah. Big East Conference. And, and I, we came in the same time. We went to school together. Uh, we got to know him really well when I was there working as a student reporter and, uh, just had such a charisma and flair on the basketball court that I, I always appreciated. I love that. If you got a go-to spot for pizza in New York, because New York is the pizza capital here, give us the one-bite uh, pizza review. What is your favorite place to go? Well, I'm biased because I'm from Long Island, so I, I think we have really good pizza here in Long Island, too. So, I mean, if you were ever out in the Suffolk County area, go to a place called Little Vincent's in Lake Ronkonkoma. It's awesome pizza. They always get ranked among the top pizza rankings. And then, of course, uh, Umberto's which is pretty famous. You know, it's in Nassau County. We have one here in Suffolk County as well. Umberto's is awesome too. Love it. Uh, your Twitter bio, Rich, says that you are a Suffolk County Hall of, Hall of Fame member. Uh, give us the humble, humble brag here. Which uh, sports did you uh, play? And give us a bit of a stat line here. <laughs> let, me, let me be perfectly clear. I didn't get in based on any uh, sports. Uh, I got in for, you know, they also acknowledge contributors like sports journalists. And, oh, and stuff. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I did play baseball when I was when I was growing up in, in uh, I went to Sachem High School, um, but uh, I did not get in for my athletic exploits. I got in strictly because of um, sports journalism. We do our research here, Rich. I got you. We got yes. your uh, photos there. We got you. <laughs> yeah, you got me. I love it. The night the, night I love I got it. the award. Yeah, yeah. I'm also Sachem in the Sachem Hall of Fame too. Um, you know, me and that's Jumbo awesome. Elliott. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. yep. Last question for you here, Rich. Uh, being a sports media member nowadays with Twitter and things like that, you're always got fans trying to interact. Um, sometimes not in the most uh, healthy way. Fans are getting after you. Um, what's the, what's the funniest argument or something that like a, a fan was trying to make with you, uh, over like Twitter? You know, that's a really good question. I don't have a great answer. It, it seems like it's almost, uh, you know, every other day that there's something going on with Twitter. Uh, I really respect the fans that ask intelligent questions and I, and I get a lot of great ones on my, my podcast, my flight deck podcast. Uh, we get a lot of great questions. Um, I think I think fans and this is not like a specific answer, but more of a generalization. But I think, you know, fans, they're fans. That's why they're called fans. They're fanatics and they want to see great things about their team. And sometimes yeah. it's not my re job to report great things about the team. My, <laughs> right. It's my job to report the news. And so uh, I think sometimes I laugh. It's like you're writing a lot of positive stuff all offseason because, as you mentioned, it was a great draft. And so I think nine out of 10 of my stories this offseason have been positive. And then you write something that is perceived as negative and the fans go nuts and they're like, how dare you? Well, I think, I think that's <laughs> kind of, that, that kind of makes me laugh, but it also reminds me that, you know, they are fans and they want, yeah. they want to be told good things, but we can't always tell them good things. 
Yeah. And with this team, yeah, there's not a lot of there's not always a lot of good things to report too. You got to just yeah, report eleven what you see. eleven straight years out of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you know it's kind of it's kind of lean lean times for the Jets. It's like I always tell people, I am a diehard Jets fan, which means that every year I die really hard. <laughs> it's it's really yeah. tough. Yeah, hopefully um, for the Jets fans, it, it turns around and, and they get to that Super Bowl, and uh, hopefully I'm around to cover it. Hopefully, man. Well, thank you for joining us, Rich. Uh, appreciate it. Um, those who want to follow Rich on Twitter, his handle is right there up onto the screen. Um, and as I mentioned just on that last question, Rich is awesome. If you ask questions uh, that Rich is great about getting – to the fans and a lot of great healthy interactions there. Uh, I, I see it daily. Huge, huge fan of your work, Rich. Uh, appreciate well, you coming you. on, man. I, re- I really, really appreciate that. And uh, this was fun. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we were able to hook up. And now I'm going on vacation. So this is like my last official uh, Perfect. Uh, work work thing for before vacation. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in a few weeks, we'll all reconnect and we'll be back into the training camp. Yeah, so nobody actually reach out now on Twitter. Let Rich enjoy his vacation and then I'm reach gonna out. be on a, I'm gonna be on a beach somewhere. So yeah. but thank thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, Rich. Thank you, man. And go Jets.